Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Welcome to the last Sunday of 2019. Can you believe that? Here we are. We have arrived and we're getting ready to move into 2020, a brand, not, not just a new year, a new decade. Are you believe that. It's amazing. I don't know where these last 10 years have gone, but here we are, and it's exciting. By the way, my name is Pastor J.F. Wilkerson, and such an, such an honor to be a part of this Church for All Nations team. And uh, today, uh, we're continuing this series. Actually, we're ending this series uh, that we've been in over the course of December, uh, A Thrill of Hope. And, and we've been looking at different aspects of the Christmas story you know, uh, on, this, on this last Sunday of 2019, I want to look at this title that Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, gives to Jesus, and that is Everlasting Father. In fact, I want to look at the anchor verse here that we've been using for this series coming out of Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. This has been really the anchor to this series. And this is what it says. It says, for to us... A child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And so we've been looking at those titles. In fact, we've been looking at those titles and then applying them to different aspects of the Christmas story. And so today, on this last Sunday, 2019, I want to look at the Christmas story in the book of John. Now, most of you are like, wait a second, the Christmas story isn't in the book of John. Well, actually it is. In fact, it's the shortest account of the Christmas story. It's found in the book of John. Can I, can I show you? I know you don't believe me, but let me show you the Christmas story in the book of John. This is what it says. It says in John 1, verse 14, and not even the whole verse. It's just part A. Here it is. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. My friend, I want you to know, this is the entirety of the Christmas story. This is, in essence, the entire gospel. The fact that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, he came to this earth as a tiny baby, and then he lived out the scriptures, the word being God. He became flesh for us, and he dwelt amongst us, and he lived out the teachings of God. It's an incredible thing. And so today, I want to, I know we skipped Everlasting Father last week, and we talked about the Prince of Peace, but I want to end talking about this title, Everlasting Father, because what you're going to find out is that this is one of the characteristics of Jesus Christ. This is, this is his nature as a, as, a, as, as a father. In fact, when I say that word father, for some of us, when we hear that word, we're, we're flooded with emotions. Uh, maybe because your father was awesome and he was your hero and maybe he's no longer living and, and he's passed on. And so so when you hear the word father, there's sorrow that's attached to it because you, you, you just simply miss him. Maybe you're here today and you had a fractured 
uh, relationship with your father. So when you hear the word father, maybe, maybe some anger begins to swell up inside of you. Uh, maybe you're here today and it's just simply, there was some uh, unfulfilled expectations of your earthly father. So wherever you fall on the daddy spectrum today, I want you to find comfort this morning knowing that Jesus has the power to fill those unfulfilled expectations you maybe had for your earthly father. For clarity this morning, uh, and context, it's important that we read scripture in context, uh, Isaiah here isn't referring uh, to the heavenly father of the Holy Trinity. He, he's, 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 he's actually referring to the nature of Christ as the Messiah. In fact, the American theologian Sam Storms, Sam Storms calls it a descriptive analogy pointing to Christ's character. He is fatherly. He's father-like in his treatment for uh, so I just don't want you to get confused. Are you talking about the heavenly father today? No, not necessarily. I'm talking about Jesus Christ as the Messiah, his nature as being father-like, fatherly. So find comfort today knowing that Jesus Christ has this characteristic as a father, one who pro fully protects, one who fully provides, and one who is eternal right? And I, I wanted to end with this one because this is part of the nature of Jesus that we don't really talk about that much. In fact, until I started to really dig in, I, I really never even considered Jesus in the sense of father-like, right? But this is who he is. And Isaiah is very clear about it. So for just the next couple of minutes, I want to give you three reminders that the Lord wants us all to know about his nature as everlasting father, and then the, the relationship that he desires for you and I as we move into 2020, okay? Write this first one down. Here, here's the first reminder, and that is the bond. Write that down, the bond. How many of you know, some of you are fathers in this room, that there's this unique bond between you and your child. In fact, yesterday I was talking to my dad on the phone. I'm the firstborn of four boys <clears throat> in our household. And he's the first of uh, his household too. And so we have that connection. But we were, we were, he were talking about uh, when I came into this earth and when my daughter came into this earth. And, and how before that, we never really understood how much we could love somebody. You, you don't know talk about some of your dads, even moms. When, when, when that baby, the first one, came into the world screaming and clenching its fists, it was like, it, it, you, you can't even describe the emotions you were feeling. My, my dad even told me that when he heard me screaming and crying, he, he didn't even run towards me to where my mom was. So he, he just took off down the hallway screaming that he, he had a son. It's like just like a wild man. In fact, I can relate to that. I remember my daughter was born and, and, and I just freaked out. I'm like, I have a daughter. I'm like high-fiving strangers and, and telling people in the hall to come over and look how beautiful she is. And I mean, you parents, you can relate to this. There's this, there's this connection, this bond that you automatically, instantaneously have and she's all yours. 
He's all yours. In fact, I was talking to my dad about love last night. And he talked about, son, the downward direction of love is so much greater than the upward uh, direction of love. Me meaning, I, I can remember being a little guy and my dad saying, I love you. And I would say, I love you back. But I, the love that I had for him didn't even come close to the amount of love that he had for me because I came from him, right? And so now as a parent, I know what he's talking about. Like, like my little girl, my son, I, they love me as much as they can right now as kiddos. But man, oh my word, I just lavish my love on them. There's this, there's this unique bond that we have. And let me tell you something. There is nothing, I'm telling you, there's nothing that can separate my love from my, with me and my daughter. Now, I know she's only 10, and she's going to be 14 and 16, and so pray for me. Maybe the love will go away then. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, right? But man, I, that's my kid. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep, I, I, you know what I'm talking about? And this is, the, this is the type of love that when you say yes to Jesus, man, it, it, there, there's this bond, that there's this connection that, that is so much more grand than even a human connection with another human. This is the son of God. He's, he's father-like. It's his nature. And he wants to care for you. He wants to be in relationship with you. And his love literally is pours out of him down onto you. It's important you get that visual today. So just receive it. Just say yes, accept it today. And there's nothing that you can do that can separate you from his love. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna verify that in the scripture in just one second here. But there's, in fact, in fact, it doesn't just stop right there. He chooses you. You are chosen. He desires to be in relationship with you. You remember, remember uh, in elementary school uh, when you're out at the playground? And it was kickball time. You lined up against the wall and I'll take him. And I mean, you're his first pick. I want you to know that today. There's a bomb there. Look at this passage of scripture. Galatians chapter four, verses four through seven. It says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Now look at verse six. Because you're his sons, the heavenly father, okay? Because you're his sons and daughters are included in that, God sent the spirit of his son, meaning Jesus. So the heavenly father sends Jesus into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. You say, pastor, what does that mean? It means that when you accept Jesus, his spirit is now bonded with your spirit. There's this connection that can never be broken. It's the love that he has for you. And this is the true character of Jesus. His everlasting father bonded with you in two eternity. So he is an everlasting father because it's important to understand that there's a bond. Now here's the second thought that I want you to leave here today with. And that is, write this down, the boundaries. So the, the bond and then write the boundaries. I was talking about my dad. I, I, <clears throat> I was so blessed to have a dad who just loved me and continues to love me and encourages me and like 
It's just unbelievable. I know a lot of people don't have that. I'm, I'm just humbled by it. And when I talked to him about how, how do you love not only your own kids, but so many other people and other kids so well, and he said, well, I, I was blessed too, son. I had a, a phenomenal father who modeled that for me and, and, and loved me um, just with an overwhelming love that, that I received from him and it made me want to do it to other people. In fact, I, I have a picture from them. These guys are like twins, by the way. Look at, that's my grandfather. He's with Jesus now. But I was even thinking about it today that as much as my father loves me, there's still a limit as to how much he can love me. In fact, there's also a limit to how long he can love me. Why? Because he's a human and we're all broken. And in fact, one day we're all gonna die, right? So, so there's, a, there's a limit to how he can do it and, and there's a limit to how long he can do it. But there is no boundaries to the love of our God. And some of you keep thinking of God in the limitations of the earthly fathers that you've known. But I want you to know that he's not limited by any of those. His love is boundless. In fact, I remember as a kid, we used to sing a song called Boundless Love, Boundless Love. I mean, his love is boundless. It's limitless and his forgiveness is perfect. It's good enough. This is Jesus whose nature, his character is fatherly, is father-like. And he's not just like any father. I, I know there's a lot of deadbeat fathers in our culture. Uh, not only is he not that, not only is he not just the best human father on planet earth, he, he is the best there is and, and, and he's everlasting. This is his nature. This is who he is. In fact, this idea of boundaries, Paul, the apostle Paul even shatters these boundaries in Romans 8, 38 through 39. Now this is a text that has literally created denominations, okay? So I'm gonna read it and, and, and you receive it in the way you receive it, okay? This is what it says, talking about boundaries, limitless love. Paul writes to the church in Rome and he says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Now I could stop there and we could, halt, we could have a theological debate about that and there's been churches that have split and all kinds of denominations over that one sentence, okay? So that's what the Bible says and I'm not gonna argue with you, that's just what it says, all right? He says, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, uh, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is, here it is, underline this part. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'll come back to that statement right there in a second. So, so Isaiah, he calls him everlasting father because uh, it's important that we understand this bond that we have with him, that, the, the, that there's boundaries between human love, but not, not when it comes to the Messiah, not when it comes to Jesus. 
His love is limitless and boundless for us. And here's the third one, and that is, write this down, the bloodline. The bloodline, yes, the bloodline. Let me, let me unpack that thought here in a second. Let me um, connect it to some text. Paul writes again to the church in Ephesus. Look, look, look what it says, Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 8, talking about the bloodline. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. Now, this is a cool thing right here. It says, uh, he's blessed us in the heavenly realms with, with every, say every, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The entirety of what God has for us is, in, is represented in who Jesus is, okay? Now, verse four, this confirms the, my, my thought pertaining to the bond. It says, for he chose us. He's, he's chosen you today, friend. He chooses you. He wants you on his team. Will you accept? So he says, for, for he's, he's, he's chosen us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So that's what he desires for us, but it's still your choice, okay? And then it says, in love, back to this boundless, limitless love, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. Here it is again, through Jesus Christ. None of this matters. None of it happens unless it's always funneled through what Jesus did for you and for me, right? It all, it's revealed through him, right? And it, and it goes through him. This is, this is who he is in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Once again, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us. Now we all have access to that, but the only way that we do is through the blood of Christ. The bloodline, the bloodline. As I close, I'll explain it like this. Some of you have heard that <clears throat> Ashley and I met in uh, Tennessee. Any Southern folk out here in a little bit? None? Good, okay, okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I, I married one, okay? Um, but we met in Nashville, Tennessee. She was at Vanderbilt University. I was at Belmont University. And we met and we fell in love. And it was an amazing, well, there's a lot of backstory to that. Okay. Um, but we, we met there. And uh, <clears throat> one thing that you should know about Tennessee and, and, and Kentucky too, is that it's horse land down there. Okay. And I'm not just talking about like the horses on the farm that eats apples and hangs out. I'm talking about, I'm talking about race horses. Any Kentucky Derby Belmont Stakes, man, no one likes horses or the South here today. Okay, um, no, but, but this is like thoroughbred racing horse country. And I was thinking about the bloodline this week and I got to thinking about horses and race horses. And, and so I, I did a little research on thoroughbred 
racehorses. Some of you ask me, what do you do during the week? Well, I research thoroughbred racehorses, okay? Um, but it was fascinating because a thoroughbred racehorse is called a blood horse, all right? They're called a blood horse. And there's these, there's these scientists called uh, bloodstock agents that sell and buy these thoroughbred horses. You know how like, you know, LeBron James has an agent, you know, and professional. Did you know that professional horses have their own agents? Go figure, right? And so these, these, these blood agents, stock agents, are constantly seeking out colts, man, thoroughbreds. And in fact, these blood stock agents um, that sell these horses, they, 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 they'll sell them for hundreds of thousands of dollars. It, it's a fascinating business. And, and, this, and this bloodstock agent, when he's looking for colts, when he's looking for one of these colts, he's not looking for the cutest one. He, he, he doesn't give a rip what color the horse's fur is. He, he doesn't care how smart the colt is. He, he could not care less if the colt can do little tricks. He doesn't, he doesn't go to the colt nursery and go, well, that one looks a little bit better than that one. I'll, let, me, let me take that one for a spin. None of that happens. He doesn't care about anything. The only thing that the bloodstock agent cares about is the blood running through the colt's veins. The best of the best are constantly seeking out the colt from the best bloodline. And they're willing to pay the most to have access to it. In fact, America's most famous stallion his name is Stormcat. And at the peak of his career, his stud fee was a half of a million dollars, right? People were willing to pay for that. Now, someone, someone needs to hear this today. You see, a bloodstock agent was never swayed by a current weakness of that cult. The blood agent He's not purchasing that colt's achievement. In fact, the colt is typically pretty weak and pitiful. I want you to know he's purchasing past achievements of a predecessor and the predecessor's victories. Now, some of these horses maybe you've heard of. Northern Dancer, Secretariat, right? Uh, there's a New Providence, something royal, Native Dancer. Here's the thing. The colt... He may look weak, but the proof of his strength is not in the present. The proof is in the past bloodline. The proof comes from the predecessor. What I want you to know today, friends, in the same way, your worth is not determined by your victories. Your worth is determined by everything that he's already done for you. Everything that Jesus did for you on the, in the, on the cross, his victory over death, we were just singing about it. Everything that he did for you, we now have access to those spiritual genetics, if you will. We now have access to that bloodline. And so, so maybe you're here today 
And in 2019, maybe the last decade, I don't know, maybe you've caught yourself trying to find your identity, or here it is, trying to find your self-worth in whatever assignment or, vic- or, or pursuit of a victory that you're charging after. And you fail and you mess up and, and you go, see, that, that's, that's just who I am. This is what I've always been. This is who I'll always be. And so you constantly, oh, based on your accomplishments, you're trying to find your value in this life. Can I encourage you today? Let go. The predecessor, I'm telling you what Jesus did for you on the cross. His bloodline, he, he conquered death and the grave. He lives today. Find your value, your self-worth, your identity in what he's already done for you, the bloodline. His nature is fatherly. His character is one of a perfect father. Everlasting is the word that Isaiah uses. Would you bow your heads as we close? Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.